All right, everyone. Welcome to the latest podcast episode. I'm very excited to have Tom Ward here from the Tom Ward Show. I love what he's doing. He's putting out so much content, hooking up with a lot of celebrities and getting all that golden nuggets and value to give out to the audience. Um, I love it. If you don't know him, follow him. Thank you, man, for spending your time and effort to come on my show and just to have a conversation, man. Thank you. Of course. Why not? I like what you're doing. <laughs> I like what you're about. So I'm here. Cool, man. Appreciate it. So, I mean, you know, again, let's just start with what Tom, okay. where are you from? And just kind of go from there, man. Oh, who's Tom? Um, who's Tom Ward? Who's Tom Ward? Just the skinny <laughs> kid from New Jersey, basically. Um, <laughs> I'm from South Jersey. Jersey's kind of like two different states. So you have South Jersey, which is kind of a suburb of Philly, and then North Jersey, which is like a suburb of New York. So I grew up in Jersey, but I'm like an Eagles fan. And um, <laughs> so I grew up about 20 miles from Philly. So that was kind of the city we went to. But um, yeah, just a normal kid uh, growing up, like played sports and stuff. Was never the best, was never like the best student, was kind of just average uh, just a really everything. Um, and then started partying hard late in high school. And then that kind of limited my college choices. And it took me five years and, and three colleges to get through school. So I was not setting the world on fire at all. <laughs> and had some mental health issues and, um, uh, alcohol and drug um issues that lasted pretty much most of my 20s so my 20s were all can i curse on here yeah you do whatever you want oh, okay my 20s were all <laughs> fucked up I mean, it was a complete disaster Ooh. i mean just it, towards the end like could barely hold a job um was like living um you know either basically homeless either crashing on friends couches or living in like in a motel six um you know, if I, you know, couldn't crash on any couches that night and like just life was just in complete shambles, no car, uh, license suspended, like just, I mean, as rock bottom <laughs> as you could imagine. And, um, long story short, I ended up finally cleaning up at 27 and then slowly kind of, so my career doesn't even really start till I was 27, you know, because before that, um, you know, I had some jobs that made some decent money some years, but um, most of my 20s were a complete disaster. Oh, man. So what made you clean up at the age of 27, man? Like you're going through all those hardships. Like what made that pivotal moment where you said, damn, I'm going to change this for me? It was um, it's a pretty unique story. So I'm I, I'm living I have a part-time job as, as a radio DJ back. If you're young, they used to have these things called radio stations. And there was a person <laughs> who used to talk on a microphone. Like yeah. it was like a podcast basically to, mm. you know, radio stations. So I was a uh, part-time DJ and on the weekends there, <clears throat> the office staff would be gone. So again, like I'm broke. So I would crash in the break room and and do my shifts and no one would be there. Um, so I would just save. I wouldn't have to crash on anybody's couch or spend money for a hotel. Anyway, so mm -hmm. I call a cab because, again, I don't even have a car. I call a cab to pick me up at the hotel. And the guy picks me up and I've got, like, you know, bags and, you know, like, bag full of clothes and stuff. 
And he picks me up and we're just chit-chatting in the car. He's like, hey, where are you from? Are you vacationing? You know, because I'm in a hotel, right? It's a legit question. I'm like, no, I live here. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay. Where's your car? And I go, well, I don't have a car. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, so he basically sizes me up within like a minute of just chatting. And he looks up in the rearview mirror and he goes, do you think your life's unmanageable? And it hit me like a bolt of lightning. And it was wild, like, because I have friends and stuff who um, suffer from drug and alcohol issues. And um, I've worked with people and, you know, tried to help out, you know, friends, you know, family members and stuff. And it's wild. It's super frustrating because the the older I get, the more I realize that you can't make anybody get it, especially like get sober. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter unless they're ready you can have all the interventions you want. You can have all the talks you want. You can take away things. It doesn't matter. Like they have to be ready. And I guess at that moment, I was just ready to hear that because Tom at like 20 years old would have told the cab driver, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know, even the Tom at 26 would have told him the same thing. <laughs> but for some reason that day, I mean, if he told me that at 20 and 25 and 26, they would have all been right, but I just wouldn't have heard it. But for some reason, I was just, I guess, ready to hear it that time. Anyway, by this time we get to the radio station and he go, he starts telling me his story too. He was um, like this crystal meth guy and you know, rode a motorcycle and had this like crazy, crazy life. And he was sober for like a year at the time. And he said, we get to the radio station and I've got to get out and go to work. And he says, Hey, if you want to get sober, like I run a clean and sober house and I just had someone relapse. So we just had a uh, room open up if you want it. So I said, okay. So I thought about it that weekend. And then I went and saw him that the following Monday and that was July 27th, 2005. And then I've been sober since then. Holy crap, man. Shout out to Bob Schumacher, cab driver Bob. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you, man. Bob Schumacher in the house, if you're hearing this. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, I'm glad he actually spoke to you and it kind of hit home, man. That's a very um, good feeling. Um, How long did it take you to to get clean? That was it. Just like a week? Since July 27th, 2005. I've been sober since then. Oh, no, I get that. But like how long the treatment, like once you entered into that? Oh, that... it was wild. I didn't even go to a treatment. Um, or nothing. Yeah, I wasn't, you know, I would, it was mostly like alcohol. I'd smoke tons of weed, do coke when it was around, that stuff. Thank God I never gotten mm-hmm. opiates um, or anything because, you know, then you really need, that's a whole nother conversation. So I didn't need, <laughs> you know, inpatient treatment. So I basically just mm-hmm. went to the house. Um and you know did the deal you know you had to go to meetings and do that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. you had to go do the group therapy and all this stuff and to me i was just like i was kind of wary of the whole thing i was kind of like are these guys a cult or like what's going on i just told myself i go you know what i am fucked up and i'll give them 30 days i'll do whatever they tell me to do for 30 days and if life gets better like i'll just stick around and keep doing what i'm supposed to do and if it doesn't you know I'll go, you know, back to a buddy's couch or, you know, try to figure things out, just move out of the house. So, you know, it sure beats, you know, staying on a couch or staying in a hotel, having my own room, (laughs) you know, so I just looked at it like that. It's like, okay, this is a step up in a weird way. Mm -hmm. So I'll just run with it. 
Nice. So you got clean. And what, what was your next thing after that? You had to go find a job. What was your journey looking like after? Yeah. I mean, it was slow. It was slow. I mean, it's not an easy road. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get a job. My credit was fucked. I, you know, my employment history was fucked. The first job I got was I was low. This is, I, this is in Phoenix, Arizona. So I was loading FedEx. I was uh, working at FedEx at a warehouse loading boxes. So it's Phoenix. It's in the summer. And I'm in a giant warehouse that doesn't really have AC. So just like sweating my ass off. But the worst part was I was working with these kids who were kids. I was 27 and they were like 19 and they were on, you know, summer break from school. So I was like this old guy to them, just like working. And (laughs) I wasn't going back to school. I didn't have anything like there was no, this wasn't a break from something bigger. Like this was it, you know, I was just doing that. And you know, I did that for a while. And then, um, I don't really remember what I did. I had a couple of, a couple of part-timey, you know, jobs. Cause at the time I mentally and stuff, I was, I couldn't, I wasn't in shape to work a 40 hour work week anywhere. So I could only kind of handle a part-time job in the beginning. And it was enough to pay the rent there, which was really cheap. Um, I didn't have any expenses at all, really. So, uh, the part-time job was, um, fine. And it let me do all my sober activities, you know, to keep me clean and everything. And then the first real job I got was probably, I don't know, 10 months after getting sober, maybe <laughs> I had a bicycle. I didn't even have a car. I'm 27. It's the summer in Phoenix and I'm riding around on a fucking busted 10 speed <laughs> looking for a job. <laughs> so oh, I just, um, there was a Toyota dealership by kind of by this house. And I was just like, I, w- I was always in sales before. So I was like, I could probably sell Toyotas. I don't know. So I went in, I said like, you know, Hey, are you hiring? And of course, if anybody's been there for the car business, they're always hiring because sales guys come and go every day. So yeah, mm-hmm. of course. So I went, I got the interview, you know, I did the interview, got the job and then just started selling cars. And turned out I was pretty good at it and ended up staying in that business for like five years, maybe. And was like the number one guy almost every month. Um, didn't rip anybody off. You know, I know you're a car salesman. You have this like crazy image in your head. But like, I just talk to people like I'm talking to you now. Just like normal people. Like, hey, what's going on, Terry? Like, what brings you in? Do you, what kind of car are you looking for? Like, can I help you? You know? I can tell you what I know about the cars and maybe point you in the right direction. So I just took that kind of approach and I just killed it. Sounds like it too. It's just by the way you explain it too, but you're coming off genuinely like wanting to help people. And I think that's a big thing when you're in sales anyway, like it's not about you. It's about helping out the other side. Right. So, um, you did that for five years. Cool. Mm -hmm. Killed it in sales. Um, I guess that wasn't good enough for you. Did you kind of pivot it into something else after? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was a good job. And I still have friends. Um, a couple of my best friends are, you know, from those days that I still, you know, talk to all the time, but you know, you're working retail. So you're working nights, you're working every holiday. Uh, you're working mm-hmm. every weekend, your days off are like Tuesday and a Thursday, like when no <laughs> one else is off, you know? So you're just, <laughs> it's not the greatest work life balance at all. So mm-hmm. I was like, let me see if I can get like maybe a corporate sales job. So it t- it was hard, you know, it took a while to get one, but I ended up 
working for this manufacturing company that sold kitchen equipment. You know, we sold, I had, it was like, I did national accounts. So I had these two, I had Whole Foods and Sprouts grocery stores. And I sold Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, four or $5 million of kitchen equipment to them, like bakery ovens and dishwashers and stuff like that. Like industrial, anything in the back part of the kitchen, like we sold like that kind of stuff. And I did that for like 10 years. And towards the end of that, um, about five years ago, I started, you know, becoming a content creator. And I started that journey as a side hustle for five years before I ever went into it full time. Nice. So for five years, wow, man, you you just killed it in sales. And then you went to pivot into content creator, uh, that, that whole niche area. What made you want to do that? Just side hustle to make extra money or just you just want to try it out. You think different passion came in mind or? No, it wasn't even anything like that. Well thought out. It was, um, cause it wasn't really a career five, six years ago. It wasn't like influencers. It wasn't even really a word used. There was no, like now you say like, Hey, I want to be a content creator. And everybody knows exactly mm-hmm. what that means. They know somebody who has 500,000 followers on TikTok. You know what I mean? Like it's a normal thing now, but at the mm-hmm. time it wasn't. Um, I just read a book. Uh, it was called Reinventing You by this um, like thought leader named Dory Clark. And I was looking for a career change. Like It was a great job, but I didn't care about kitchen equipment. I didn't care about fucking grocery stores. It was just a job. <laughs> you know. And we all, all of us, you watching this or listening to this, you got one. We all have just a job, mm-hmm. right? And we just try to get through and do the best we can. But at the end of the day, it's like, who cares? I'm just here for a paycheck. I'm going to try to work as hard as I can and maybe get promoted. But like, I'm not going to waste much time thinking about this while I'm not working. (laughs) And I just knew, I don't know if it delusional maybe, but I just always thought like I got something in me and I, I don't know what it is, but like, I know I could do something better than this. Like I know I'm a creative guy and I always tell people this too. like. You know, I have a lot of 20 year olds and stuff asking me for advice and they think they should have everything figured out. And I always tell the same story. It's like LeBron James, when LeBron James, I'm a huge basketball fan. When he was, and I hate LeBron. <laughs> so if I'm like LeBron, MJ's the GOAT. Okay, let's get that MJ's out of the way. A goat. MJ's so, a GOAT. But LeBron is is probably number two, but uh, I'm, not yep. a, I'm not a huge fan. But <laughs> LeBron James, if you went and saw him at 14 years old, You, him, and everyone in the gym knew he was going to play in the NBA, right? Yeah. Clear as day to everybody there. Well, for me, Terry, probably you and the person watching or listening, we didn't, at 14, it wasn't clear what we were going to do. And it may not be clear Mm -hmm. at 20. And it may not be clear at 30, like what that is. Um, For me, I read the book and... For me, the only thing I'm good at is talking with people. That's it. I don't know how to <laughs> hang a picture frame. I can't put together <laughs> IKEA furniture. I have the worst fucking sense of direction ever. Like literally, I dropped my kids off at school today. I have to map I have to Apple Maps my way from my older daughter's school to my younger daughter's school. And my younger daughter just started going there, but I've been to the school probably six or seven times. It's only two miles away from my older daughter's school, but I still have to map it. You don't fucking remember where it is. So I have like no other skills. Like I could just do this. 
right? And it's, mm-hmm. I guess it's not a bad skill to have. You know, I wish I could not play in the NBA, but, you know, instead <laughs> of this, but this is what I got. Oh, man. So, I, so anyway, back to your story. So I read this book and her whole thing was like, you can change and you, any of us can change our career path at any time. 40 years old, 25 years old, 50 years old, you can go on a totally different path, but you have to get evidence that you're knowledgeable and you're good at whatever you're going into. So like, say I Mm -hmm. wanted to be like a hip hop expert. Like I do, I love hip hop, but Mm -hmm. you know, you look at me, you're a 45 year old white guy. Like (laughs) why are you, why are you a hip hop expert? And I would say, you're right. I have no evidence that I I don't talk about hip hop publicly. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not vlogging about the new Travis Scott album or anything, but if all of a sudden I start, you know, blogging about it and all of a sudden I go on podcasts talking about it and you know all of a sudden you know I'm making TikToks about you know new new hip-hop albums that came out then maybe after like a year or so they go oh okay this guy like is a hip-hop guy okay Mm -hmm. so that's the evidence you need to prove whatever your new thing is and she said that like the cheapest and easiest way to get evidence in this is just writing because no one writes anymore um, you not everybody feels comfortable on camera. Like when I'm filming solo videos, I am not great at it. I don't feel comfortable at it at all when the camera's on me. Um, mm-hmm. and especially not back then, I couldn't have made anything, but I could write, you know, I could decent enough writer. Like I could write. So I was just writing and there was no, I'm going to be a content creator or there was, there was really no end goal. There was just all I would write. I started a little blog, tomhort.com. And I would just write about my interests. And I, I'm interested in a lot of stuff. I'm really interested in music, health and fitness. I like business. I like marketing, social media. So it was just like a hodgepodge of shit I would write about. And no one cared. No one gave a fuck. <laughs> no one was reading. You know, but I just kept doing it. And I don't remember how far in, but like less than a year, all of a sudden, I... I'm having breakfast one day and I'm going on a business trip. So it's like real early in the morning, like four 30 or five in the morning. And I look at my stats, you know, I'd look, of course, anybody in social media, this world, of course, obsessively <laughs> checking views and shit. We all do. Of course I did then. And it was always like horrible. It was like 10, 10 people read your last article. And it's like my mom and a couple of friends and one stranger, you know, all of a sudden I look at my last one and it's got like 200,000 views. I go, oh, wow. what? And it was, I'm a music guy, right? So I heard Rick Rubin. If you don't know who Rick Rubin is, he's one of the best music producers of all time. I heard him on a mm-hmm. podcast and he, 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 at the time, now he does interviews and now he actually has a podcast, but back then he never did interviews. So like, I never knew anything like about him. So I heard this mm-hmm. interview he did and I just jotted down notes and the article was just like 10 tips from Rick Rubin, you know, and it was simple, like, I don't even remember like 10 kind of creative tips from Rick. And I just, you know, jacked from the podcast and wrote my own words and I got 200,000 views and I couldn't figure out, but like now I got to get to the airport. So like I'm driving, I just remember like what happened? Like, how did they find my little blog? And -hmm. then finally later, you know, I looked into it and it all came from a post from Jessica Alba. 
the actress Jessica Alba somehow, I still don't know how, found my little <laughs> article and shared it on LinkedIn and said like, yo, I love this uh, article. You know, we love, I, we love Rick and like just a couple mm-hmm. emojis or something. Right. And that was it. And then it got all these views. And then um, I ended up, I think, sharing that story with the woman who wrote the book that started me on the path, Dory Clark. Mm-hmm. And then she saw kind of what I was doing. She's like, why don't you go write at Forbes? Why don't you become a contributor at Forbes? And I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm not a real writer. I didn't write from high school, you know, newspaper. Mm-hmm. I never, I just started blogging and had really no success at it. But mm-hmm. I'm like, sure. Okay. Why not? So I kind of went through the interview with an editor and all of a sudden I'm writing a couple articles a month for Forbes, just like about business and marketing and stuff like that. Oh, wow. That's amazing, man. Turn your hobby into something cool, man. Something you didn't mm-hmm. know just by trying. So you did that for a while, which is pretty cool. Um, I still do it. Blog, I still write for you still do the blog, right? Yeah, okay. Well, I don't really how about do your the blog? Tom Ward blog. I do the Forbes stuff. Okay. The Forbes thing. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's golden right there, man. Um, so what you did the content creator role, like you kind of pivoted towards that. When did you decide you want to leave your corporate job to kind of focus full time on the side hustle, as you called it? About a year ago. So July of last year. Oh, okay. Where, what was your thinking process? Were you scared? Were you nervous? Were you kind of like, yeah, I don't care. I'm just going to do it. Like what was no, your I have process? two kids. Like I live mm-hmm. in LA, which is very expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a mortgage, you know, I have responsibilities <laughs> now. So this, I didn't just say, fuck it one day. And, hey, I'm going to go try this. Hell no. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I got brand deals and stuff as I started to do YouTube more and, you know, views got um, better and I just saved that money um, because I had a, full-time job and my wife works. I just put that aside, like with the goal being like, I want to be able, I want to try this, like go all in for a year at some point. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was scared to death and looking back, it probably wasn't the best move. I'll tell you in a second why, (laughs) but, um, you know, I talked to friends, family, of course, my wife about it, like forever. I drove them crazy. You know, I was miserable (laughs) at my job but really wasn't making nearly enough money at the YouTube stuff to equal my salary. So Mm -hmm. I was like trapped. I was like, what the fuck is this ever going to happen? You know, I'm 45. Like I'm getting, you know, I'm getting old, you know, like what am I going to do? And then, you know, my wife, shout out to my wife. She supported me. She's like, you know, why don't you go try it? You've got the money set aside so you can pay, you know, you can pay yourself the same check you're getting from your day job. So she knows she's getting the same amount deposited in her, in our bank account every month. So, mm-hmm. and then I budgeted it where I could pay for like the production, you know, renting a studio if we did in person and hiring camera guy and editor, like I went over the budget like forever for months and mm-hmm. then finally just said, screw it. Let's give it a shot. And quit my job and just started doing it full time. Cool, man. Uh, that's the way to do it. I mean, that's the only way to do it, but you, you plan it ahead, which is good. Cause a lot of people don't they just kind of jump into it, but you had the stash to kind of hope 
with your wife's permission, the conversation to kind of help uh, get that started. So you pivoted to the whole content creator. Um, was that when the Tom Ward show was blossoming or started because of that? Or No, was I was separate? doing that for about five years before I quit. Well, I've been doing it for five years. I was probably doing it for like four years when I quit. So I was mm, doing it on the side. Okay. I do like a video a couple of times a month. No regular schedule. It would just depend. You know, I had work. So I, you know, would do it <laughs> when I could, you know, like mm -hmm. write articles on Saturday. I worked like every Saturday for, I even work Saturdays now, but every Saturday when I was working full time for like, for years, for three or four years, like almost every Saturday, my wife would take the kids up to her parents' house and I would just sit in this office and just work for 10 hours while everybody else is having fun golfing, going on boats, doing whatever people do. I was sitting here just grinding this out. And I mean, to anybody who wants to get in it, it really wasn't for the money because the money wasn't coming. No money was coming in at the beginning, mm -hmm. like at all. It was really just for the love of the game. Like I loved, you know, writing articles, even though it's, I hate doing it sometimes now. <laughs> I just like the writing or just the whole process, like reaching out to guests Booking guests. I love preparing for interviews. Even now, I love it. Um, I spend probably three, four hours prepping for every interview. Um, probably more than I should, but I just I love it. The whole thing, picking what clips to put on social, the social media part. So, yeah. So to answer your question, I was doing this for like almost five years before I decided to quit. Oh wow! Okay, that's pretty cool. You said prepping, which is pretty cool when interviewing folks, right? What's your whole thought process with that procedure for you? Like, how would you get those prepping done? Is it just online research? Is it more like doing other interviews and seeing what they're talking about? Or is it like writing for you where you already kind of already know what you want to do and ask and, and kind of go from there? No, for me, it's like, um, so what I do is I'll take one or maybe two interviews, like from the, if they're like, on a bunch of podcasts, I'll pick like the best show and listen to that mm -hmm. one, maybe another one, but usually they're like hour, hour and a half. So there's like an hour and a half right there, but it's actually longer because I'm listening to it, pausing, taking notes. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it takes me a couple hours to get through that. And then I don't want to listen to any more interviews because I don't want to like um, copy anybody's style or, you know, mm -hmm ask the same question. They got a certain response. I don't want to kind of end up copying somebody subconsciously. So I usually only stick to like listening to one interview. Then I read a lot of articles about them. I'll, you know, look at their social, spend a lot of time looking at what their post, you know, what kind of content they're posting on all platforms. Um, you know, usually I cover business too. So, you know, these people usually have businesses. So I'll kind of look at their site. I'll you know, mm -hmm. Google how the businesses are doing all that stuff. Um, so then I have pages of notes and then my process is the only question, if you look at my interviews, I always have like the, you know, paper stapled together with notes, but I never look at the notes. <laughs> you know, I don't even know if I bring them anymore. I guess it's like just safety, you know, it's like a exactly. crutch, I guess. Yep. Um, so I kind of organize all those notes into questions, like in the order I want the conversation to go. But I, but it never goes the way I plan. The only, the only, the, I only have control of one question. The first one, 
So, <laughs> and that's, you got, you got to come out with your money shot because you don't bury your good question for like 20 minutes in. Cause the, the listener may not be there anymore. You know, mm. you want to get them in the beginning. So, um, that's the only one I can control. I can't control the order or where the conversation goes from there. But mm-hmm. the prep for me is really important because no matter where the conversation goes, unless it goes somewhere really off the rails, I, I'm i okay. If they start talking about this part of their life, I already know that. I was going to talk about it later, but they want to talk about it now. So, okay, I'm cool. <laughs> I still really want to talk about this. So I'm still mm-hmm. going to like, jump in here when they're done talking about this, you know what I mean? Try to bring it back. So there's a lot going on a lot. If you, I mean, it'd be funny to imagine my brain like during an interview because it's going like a million miles a minute, like everything from like assessing the guest body language, like, Oh, were they uncomfortable now? You know, they're crossing their legs and crossing their arms. They look pissed. You know, maybe I should back off a little bit or, fuck i'm getting bored so if i'm getting bored the the viewers started getting bored five minutes ago i'm here in person so i can hang in there longer they're fucking gone so it's like ah i got this is going off the rails i gotta bring bring it back you know so there's just like a million things like going that like a million miles a minute oh man that's crazy no that's a good way to prep though i didn't think about it like that but you 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 have a lot of thought process into it and that's pretty cool man i don't Um, wing it you don't wing it Fuck no. The- <laughs> you think that's a bad approach, you think, from your experience? Interviewing yeah, the greats, I've been interviewed. Know? I've been interviewed and I've been on horrible shows. And they're just like, hey, what's going on? Like they they start the show with no game plan. And the first minute is just like, hey, what's <laughs> up? How you doing? You know, you know, you're where you're, you're in L.A. Is that where you or where do you live? It's like. If you did prep, you would know where I live. Like, this is a waste of a question. You know, who the fuck cares where I live? You know, like, and it's, and then finally they get to like a decent question. We're like 10 minutes in. I'm like, no one is going to hear this interview. No one's getting to the 10 minute mark. They, they fucking bounced the 30 seconds in. So no, I don't think it's it's a good idea. Oh, man. So prep up guys, prep up for the interviews. Um, well, that's all good to know. The the big catcher here is you're getting all these great celebrities, big high profile people. How the heck are you doing that? Like, what tips would someone have to do if they're in the same industry as you or whatever? Just trying to get a hold of someone that's famous. What should they do to kind of get their attention and to try to get them booked? That is the number one question I always get because. You know, my channel is relatively small. I mean, I think I got like 55,000 subscribers on YouTube. So not huge enough to get a Paris Hilton (laughs) or anybody like that. But yet Mm -hmm. I book them. Well, one, the one thing I have on my side is Forbes. So usually for like a Paris Hilton, I'm interviewing her for Forbes. I'm going to do a Forbes article. And then I say, Mm -hmm. hey, do you mind if I film this for YouTube too? And my whole pitch is... and. If you know, you may never be a contributor of Forbes watching this or anything like that, but you should take advice on how I approach it. So I'm writing an article for Forbes. You know, she said yes. Selfishly, I would love if they went on YouTube, but if they say no to YouTube, which that's not, well, they do sometimes, I still do the Forbes article. Like I'm not holding them hostage. Um, <laughs> but the way I pitch the YouTube is hey, look, we'll, you know, you promote whatever you want. I go, and I'll cut you 
cut up clips for you to use on social. And you, you know, especially with the influencers, because I would interview them about business and no one gave it, you know, cared about, no one talked to them about business. So they love those mm. clips and they want to share those like, Hey, I'm not just some, you know, dude with nice abs or I'm not just a girl in a bikini. I actually run a multi-million dollar business. So like they love those and want to share those. So I'm like, I'll mm-hmm. cut up whatever you want. Uh, I'll provide them. You don't have to link to, I'm not asking you, you don't have to link to me, tag me, whatever. It'd be nice, but you know, no obligation. Mm-hmm. I'll get you whatever you want. So like, I'm just, I'm showing what I can give them where sometimes I think other people when they're approaching celebrities is just like what they can get. It's, but mm-hmm. you got to look at it from, the, I've been around enough celebrities now to know they are asked every day, every second of the day for something, whether it's, Hey, can you tag me in this picture? Could you check out my website? Can you wear my fucking t-shirts? <laughs> you know, can you come on my podcast? They constantly hit up, take a picture with me. Can you do a TikTok with me all day long? Mm-hmm. So you don't want to be that person. You want to instead go, Hey, look, Paris, I'm really interested in what you're doing in the metaverse. Love to interview that you about that for Forbes. So she's like, no one's talking about what I'm doing in Roblox. Cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. And hey, I would love to film it for you too. And you can get all these clips about you talking about your businesses and all the other stuff for social. So for her, it's like, why wouldn't I? I get a Forbes article. That's always good. I get all these social clips because everybody needs content even the celebrities they got to churn it out every single day so Mm -hmm. i'm giving them free content and the kind of content they want um so why would they say no so it's pretty simple to me to get these guests now it's just and my advice to you i know if you're watching or listening you go okay that's great i don't write for forbes (laughs) i got a little podcast (laughs) no one's listening to i get it i've been there no no I, i get it but that's no excuse the one mm-hmm. lesson you can take from me is you need to align yourself with a bigger platform than yours and use that to your advantage. So for me, it was a connection of Forbes, which got me in the room with a lot of people. For you, it might not be that, but for you, it may be, you know, a blog, somebody's newsletter. Um, right, right for these people, you know, um, offer somebody else with a big platform, free content. and. Um, everybody has a website, everybody has a newsletter these days. So why not? Hey, I'll write a, a couple articles for you a week. I won't even charge you. And, you know, if you let me maybe promote my podcast on there or something, you know, maybe include a link to my podcast in each one. So whether you're aligning yourself with a big podcast and you're doing free editing for them or YouTube where you're helping out with pulling social media clips, or it's a newsletter or a blog you're offering to write for free. You got to give something to get something. So give first and then ask people always ask first and then don't even get to the giving part. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but like (laughs) just be the opposite of what every other asshole's doing, you know? (laughs) Always give. That's a good point, man. I think that's golden. I think um, I I heard a lot of people say about giving, but I think yours is probably right on point, especially if you want to give value and get the same return, hopefully. Um, Wow. Is there anyone on your list that you talk like you want to interview next? Like what's your I know you have a list, right? You must have a list of people. You're like, oh, my gosh, I want to interview them. Like 
Sure. What's that list looking like for you? I use a um, a Google. What is it? Sheets is their spreadsheets. I use the Sheets app or whatever, and in my phone, mm-hmm. so I could just add to it. You know, if I'm on my phone, but there's probably 300 or so names on it. Um, okay. And booking guests is tricky because you always need some like you. You need somebody next week. You need so you got to think short term. Like oh shit. Like me, I need to book a guest for like two weeks from now. So today I'm going to spend a couple hours and I'm going to reach out to guests. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I need somebody short term. So they're short term and long term to get Paris Hilton. It took me eight months, probably time of re- figuring out who her team was, who the right PR person was. This stuff takes time. She doesn't advertise this because they don't want to be bothered. Uh-huh. So you really have to figure this shit out. Finding out <laughs> finally who that person is, starting to pitch them. You don't hear back from two weeks following up. Then they get back to you and tell you to reach out in August. Then August comes around. So you make yourself known. I mean, all that stuff takes time. But in the meantime, Mm -hmm. you need guests every week. So you need smaller time people to fill those gaps. So if you look Mm -hmm. at my list, it's, you know, I've got Rick Rubin's on there. Howard Stern's on there. They'll probably never sit down with me. But then I also have, you know, maybe a a medium-sized influencer or you know, maybe a startup guy that's not famous or something that I mm-hmm. can book and, you know, will come on the show whenever I ask them to. So that's kind of my approach to booking. And so, like I said, I have a spreadsheet. It's organized. It has all the contact info when I, you know, notes. So I know when the last time I emailed the person was, so I don't like, bombard them. You know, I, I go, okay, I just emailed <laughs> yeah. them two days ago. Shit, I'll, you know, maybe I'll hold off for a little bit. So that's that's what I do. It's just a spreadsheet. Okay, cool, man. Um, that's a great way to do it, man. Um, what, so what's your plans coming up, man? Like you, you're doing all this great content, interviewing great individuals, high profile people, but what's your goal for the rest of the year? It's funny. I'm actually looking for jobs <laughs> because, <laughs> because the experiment, um, has not been a success, you know? Um, and I share that because um, one, I want to be honest and two, to show that, well, you know, I took the leap, you know, didn't turn out financially the way I wanted to at all, you know, didn't get traction. I kind of pivoted my content away from influencers more to business. People was a huge kind of shift in content. So I kind of, the existing followers weren't interested. So I could basically start over. So there's not, there's a bunch mm. of reasons why, you know, it didn't really, you know, do as well as it did before. Um, so I'm trying to figure out, you know, what kind of job would allow me to kind of still do this, you know, on the side where I don't have to keep it a secret. Like I did at my last job where I can use what I learned for the last year and apply that with my sales background to something else. So I'm looking at startups and, um, you know, working at the media companies and stuff like that. So I'm looking at different jobs. So that's kind of where I'm at for the rest of the year that, and just to, you know, continue to kind of improve my content. I, I went on a podcast last week and, um, it blew up and I think I got like 15,000 followers in two days on YouTube, which a YouTube follow followers hard to get. It's getting a TikTok follower is a lot easier than getting a YouTube subscriber. Mm-hmm. Um so that kind of changed things a little bit too. 
um, the, you know, people are more engaged and stuff like that. So, um, I don't know. So the point is I want to keep doing the content and keep that momentum going while also, you know, Hey, I spent a lot of money, lost money this year. Um, so I need to kind of stop losing money, <laughs> start making <laughs> money again. So that's, that's one, you know, mm-hmm. um, but looking back though, I'm kind of laughing about it. I wasn't always laughing about this. You know, there was constant beating myself up every week, you know, posting, not getting the traction I want, mm-hmm. second guessing myself, doubting myself, you know, telling myself I'm a loser and I'm a failure and a piece of shit and just all the internal stuff that goes on. But I've kind of made peace with it of where it is. And looking back, I wouldn't have changed it. I would have still taken this year and done this because mm-hmm. who else? I mean, talk about a blessing. Who else at 45 years old in a regular boring job like we all got gets to stop and take the next year pursuing a passion like this? I'm truly interested. Terry, I'm interested in you. I'm interested in the person I'm sitting down with. I'm just interested in people. And I get to spend the next year hanging out with some of the, you know, most interesting and famous people out there. So like, Mm -hmm. I mean, shit, I got to hang at Paris Hilton's house for an afternoon. It's pretty fucking cool. You know what I mean? I got to sit in Oscar De La Hoya's office and talk boxing. I'm a big box fan. I'm like, that's pretty fucking cool. Do you know what I mean? I got yeah. Charlie D'Amelio. I interviewed her and she's giving me TikTok advice after the interview. <laughs> it's pretty fucking cool. You know, like, <laughs> so I wouldn't change that. And it was a great experience. And hopefully if somebody's watching this and, you know, wants to do something else, you can, you know, I was 44 when I quit my job, you know, where most people are like at that age are trapped in an industry or a job. And they're stuck Mm -hmm. and they're just going to ride it out for 20 more years until they retire. And that's that. It's a wrap. So (laughs) I just want to, I just want to say that you can do something different. You just got to, you got to kind of figure out what your strength is. You know, LeBron knew he was a basketball player. Mm -hmm. I finally realized I was good at talking to people. You know, you just got to figure out what that thing is and then just work hard at it. Perfect your craft. Exactly, man. Right, spot on. Spot on. I would say, uh, Tom. Uh, kudos to you, man. Because a lot of people are still are scared to kind of make that shift, that jump. And um, proud of you, man. I, you're doing great things. I love what you're doing. Just keep riding it, and you're gonna explode, man. Um, Thanks, the man. funny thing was, you mentioned you're welcome. Um, this was supposed to be my last question of the interview, but you kind of already dipped into it without even knowing. But um, it was like. The last episode I tried to ask each guest was what keeps you going every day when you want to give up? And that's my question to you to kind of, you know, you've been through drugs and, you know, you've been through the bad part of your life in the twenties to where you are now. You have a wife, kids, you're, you're talking to great people. Like what keeps you going when you had those rough times or you want to give up? You know, um, of course, my family's the most important thing, right? So mm-hmm. scratch that because that's the easy answer I'm sure everybody gives. For <laughs> me, it's the little, you know, and they've been slow trickles at some points, but it's that positive feedback. And maybe it's that one comment on a video that got 100 views 
that, Tom, I love this interview or, hey, this made me think about something different or, you know, the best is like, hey, you inspired me to go, you know, open up my online store or somebody just hit me up the other day. It's like, hey, I've been out of college for three years and you inspired me to go back and I just signed up from for the next semester. I was like, who, me? Like, I, like <laughs> I'm just a regular guy. Like, I actually somehow inspired somebody to go to school. So, like, that to mm-hmm. me, I am beyond grateful that anyone even cares. Like, I'm beyond grateful that you even are interested enough to sit and talk with me for an hour. Like, to me... That's what keeps me going. Like people, you know, for some reason care about my story or they care about, you know, or they like my interview style or who I have on or what I'm about. Like, so to me, that's what keeps me going. I mean, that's everything. That's everything indeed. Good way to put it, man. Very humble. I love that. Um, Man. Ooh. I think I saw one of your profiles, one of your photos. Uh, this is off topic, but it just shows as well. Like you, you had back surgery. Was that something yeah, you posted about? Man. Um, two so months what ago. Yeah. What happened? You know, I've always been physically active, like, you know, worked out my whole life and, um, I started to just have like lower back pain and it turned out it was a bad disc, like the disc right above your butt. That mm-hmm. one had no fluid left in it. So like it got to the point where like I couldn't run, like I've run marathons, like I couldn't run more than a couple hundred yards and the pain would be too much. And it's because Mm -hmm. that disc, every time your foot hits like the road or there's any impact, that's where the pain goes. And there's no, that fluid's like the cushion, right? Mm -hmm. The shock absorber and there's no fluid there. So, um, you know, we tried everything. We tried uh, cortisone and I did physical therapy and, you know, tried mm. every other thing for like a year and a half and it just didn't work. And, you know, I want to continue to be active. I want to be able to pick my kids up, you know, and mm-hmm. throw them in the pool or the ocean or something. I couldn't do that stuff. So anyway, so I got um, a disc replaced and it's been very, it's been very humbling and slow going getting back and I'm not nearly at where I want to be. So, but it's taught me to be, if there's any lesson, it's taught me to be more patient. Yeah, exactly. No, man, just uh, write it out. Take it one day at a time. You would know. I had a few surgeries myself, so I kind of know what you're going through. Not back, but, you know, foot relating. Um, just got to be patient, you know, have faith, pray, you know, and keep writing it out, man. And I wish nothing but the best for you, man. So you too. want to kind of bring Good that up. With the show. Keep killing it. Oh, thank you. Thank you, man. Uh, for viewers out there, what's the best way to reach Tom Ward, man? Cause I'm going to, you know, send people your way. What's sure. the best way for them to reach out to you? The Tom Ward show on YouTube and on all audio podcast platforms, Tom Ward official, I think everywhere on social and, you know, link, even LinkedIn, LinkedIn, <laughs> I'm probably most active on TikTok and Instagram. And Twitter somewhat um, to just find me Tom Ward official, you know, on social. Cool. Well, guys, you hey, check out my first. merch. I have merch, theLevelUpShop.com too. I've got merch finally, so go check that out too. TheLevelUpShop.com. TheLevelUpShop.com. Yep. Oh, oh yeah. Check that out, guys. I'm gonna check that out. Uh, buy the merch, man. Represent Tom. Yeah. But yeah, 
Cool, man. Thank you so much again for spending your time talking with me in the audience. And um, uh, if you hear here, folks, Tom Ward, please follow him. Give him a like, give him a follow, subscribe. And uh, if you have any questions, let me know. And I can defer them to you. Uh, until the next episode, peace out. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs>